0: Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Elias Ganem, Global Head of Market Intelligence Financial Services at Capgemini. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Elias.
1: Thank you, hi Brad.
0: So first of all, it has been so long since we all met in Amsterdam. Um, it was last year, but it felt like it was a century ago. What a year it has been. Uh, <laughs> wanted to check in with you. How have you, you and your team been adjusting and what have you been focusing on lately? Because I, we noticed there were so many reports and so many new insights that's been coming out from your team lately.
1: Look, what, what for me most impactful this year has been the dedication we were able to put in building the reports. One, because we are traveling much less. Second, the attention spam that we got. I'm amazed by the number of uh, audience that we got for every launch. We did perfect on the carbon impact because we killed it completely, zero impact on that and having done that for the last 12 months. But joke aside, crazy work span. Uh, and I think we, I, everybody had that. We have put so much this major changes that are happening or the acceleration of changes. Made our report much more relevant to the to the ecosystem.
2: So when you you talk about you know the different reports, um, you know you have insurance, you have payments. Um, we recently did a Twitter chat on the payment report that had come out, but. You just got done releasing the retail banking top trends for 2021. Can you talk about the top three that you have?
1: Brad, in fact, what we did is we released all the top trends across all industry, and we've done seven of them. And as there are so many trends that came here here and there, we created also a matrix where we put the business impact that we believe from medium up to significant, and then we, we put also the priority of adoption from medium to significant. So the one I wanna bring you is the one that we believe are significant in business impact and significant in business priority. And these are the one most important on top, the top most significant business impact and priority is cloud silver lining and building business agility. Cloud has become a must do. We've been talking about it for quite some time. It's a must do. This one is followed by banking as a service. It exemplifies the open X potential. Open X is open experience where all ecosystem come to to play together to offer the best experience, and banks have the role to play here through a banking as a service enabling others to serve. And the third one for us is COVID-19 pushed cost transformation in. Clearly with the entire branch, the impact of digital uh, cost transformation, cost optimization has become an, uh, a very important topic and all uh, banks are focusing a lot on this matter. So this would be the three tops that we believe are significant in terms of business and in terms of prioritization.
0: Yeah, we do hear quite a bit about uh, banking as a service and, and, and to your point about, you know, COVID 19's impact on how should organizations, banking and beyond uh, react. Now, there is also another thing that quite a few of us have been talking about, which is around unbundling and rebundling. And, and I remember you have mentioned before by acting as a central hub for multiple services, the banking ecosystem players are moving to address a critical customer pain point, which is managing all of their relationships, accounts, protections, and profile all in one place. And you had talked a little bit about that too. I remember last year when we all met together, you introduced the concept of OpenX. I still remember that, you on stage. So do you see differences, right, in terms of maturity as you're releasing these reports, as you were talking to clients, from one region to the other?
1: So, so what we are seeing is the maturity from different aspects. The first maturity is the big tech. They have significantly matured and are becoming true players, one. Second is the fintech, very diverse, but very mature from an investment perspective and from a market impact perspective. Last time we met, face to face, The whole branding, the whole challenger banks were fancy names. Now they are, some of them are even profitable. All of them are big. And last when it talks to maturity, let's talk about the banking. And banks are realizing that they have assets that they need to leverage and they have weaknesses that they need to cover. The weaknesses is the last mile. By all means, they are not good on that. The the strength is trust. And we are in this weird time of of our life that trust is completely challenged by so many things. We don't know what tomorrow will look like, so we need to have a reference. So banks have the trust. Banks have the privacy, by the way. A lot of privacy issues came out, uh, but Big Tech and Challenger Bank has the last mile. So the rebundling, we still have to find out if the rebundling will be done by the banks inviting the Big Tech or by the big tech inviting the uh, the banks the last example that we are observing is the google googleplex which doesn't work in favor of the banks i must say because it's the it's now google that is inviting banks to be on their platform to go to market
2: I like to say it's sort of the, the unbundling of utility from value, uh, and that's why we've been seeing all of these business models sort of evolve. The one thing that still kind of gets me, and, and this is something that impacts all of your clients and all of the banks out there that have physical locations, is what to do with branches and what we've learned about branches this year. So So when you talk about branch strategy post-COVID-19, while we've seen the reduction of branches globally for quite some time, and we create, especially in, in the US, these bank deserts where there's no physical ability to bank uh, for quite some space, where do you think branches are going? I mean, in the US, we have 74,000 still. Uh, so, so with that in mind, and with your clients' sort of needs in mind, how do we think about branches post COVID 19?
1: Branches are essential by all means. A branch play a role of being have a social impact. It's not only about going and depositing a check. I think we don't never go to deposit a check, but they have a social impact. They are always into the downtown. They create interactions, and only that is a must too. The only problem is nobody goes to branch to a branch because I don't know why to go to a branch, and I think there is a major on the why I would ever go to a branch. And we've been observing a lot of new concept of branch. I was in Barcelona, living in Barcelona, and Caixa, created very well-known for when it comes to innovation, or VVA, they are converting their branches in a mini mall or in a a mini cinema theater or in a more uh, engagement. It's a place where you go, you connect, you interact, you learn. You learn about finance and you learn about non-finance. But it's a trusted third party that you feel safe going there, raising your questions, engaging. And by the way, I have a financial question. How to? And the right person will help you. So the only problem is what I'm saying is profitability. The word profitability is becoming a significant challenge in a branch. Banks are, branches are much more, a social place rather than a place where you make money. The make money is before and after the branch.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I was I was reading a, a piece yesterday about ATMs. When I think about branches as well, I think about the sort of sunk cost of ATMs. And there were uh, this this stat that kind of stood out that every single ATM loses $250 a month on average for banks. Um, And, and, you know, when I think about branches, your point there about before and after is kind of where you make money. That's where also the relationship is formed in many cases, too. Um, So that's kind of interesting that you talk about it that way.
1: And I believe that um, largest assets and cost of the banks, and it's finding the balance between monetizing an assets and minimizing the cost. So clearly, by all means, you said 70,000 plus. I doubt that we will continue with 70,000 plus. There is no. The challenge will be which one to shut down. That there is consolidation. There, I am looking at a significant consolidation in the banking industry in the year to come. We don't need so many banks in Europe. And we don't need so many branches in the US. And that will come to, I don't know who, but clearly there will be consolidation. We are starting to observe that in France, where some brands, that uh, some subsidiaries, are joining forces and reducing branches, and that cut a branch uh, branch network. So consolidation will happen, uh, i.e., cost reduction. But now that we have less branches, the risk is disappearing, the opportunity is engaging, and there is no silver bullet. But clearly, there is a must-do that needs to be found.
0: It's interesting when you are talking about you know the role of branches in, in some of the different countries. For example, I remember last year when I was in uh, Istanbul, one of the Akbank Bank branches. It was it reminded me of an Apple store. You walk in there, and there were two minimally decorated, if that's even a white word for it, uh, bars. It looks like the Apple Genius Bar. It was completely just simple. It was white and there were people behind it with uh, tablet devices talking to customers. It absolutely did not look like a bank branch when I walked in there. It, it was more like a, a place to mingle. It, it, was, it was really interesting to, to see how that evolves. And I know in the US, um, it, there were some reports you know, during the last nine months about what branches to open, what branches to close. And interestingly, in some of the um, more rural areas, there are credit unions and community banks that they are actually opening up branches in places where people need. And then some of the more cosmopolitan area, urban centers, they're closing up some of the branches because there's just too many, like you say. So it will be interesting to to see what's gonna happen going forward.
1: It, it, is, it is, I think branches is probably the 2021 toughest question to be answered. Because to your point, we said everything and the opposite. We must open and we must close. We must serve and we must pay. We must make it profitable and we must make it a service. And all of that is the recipe of the branch of 2021. And by all means, there is no a single, uh, single solutions. But the risk is not doing anything. The risk is opening on January 1st the branch as we closed it in December 31st a year ago and just assume that because we are back in business, business will be back. And I don't think business will be back as as such.
0: Yes, indeed. It puts a new spin into uh, business as usual, shall we say. Um, Speaking about reports, going back to one of the things you originally started with, um, there is another report that caught our eye. It was one on AI and financial services. Now, this is one big hot topic in banking for quite a while now. We always say, oh, you know, we see more investment in AI. We see more, you know, um, implementations in AI. We see it gaining momentum. It feels like we're repeating that every single year. Financial services executives say, oh yeah, I know it's important, we need to put that in. But yet, when we look at actual success stories, it feels like it's always limited to some backend operations, something about, you know, optimizing their efficiency, but nothing truly, truly groundbreaking, shall we say. What needs to change? How can we actually get people to do more in that space?
1: So, yes, this is the the report we launched. In fact, by the way, we launched it last week at the Singapore Fintech Festival. And we called it pioneering intelligent banking. And the main purpose of this one is we are... Down branches, but customers are looking for a humanized relationship. How can we make that work? And in this uh, in this report, we took a comparison between what customer want and what do bank want. And customer want personalized product and services, you request banking anytime, anywhere, superior twenty four by seven experience and support, digital channels with human touch. That's what you and I, as customers want. but what do banks want? Optimize cost allocation, engage, retain, maximize, max customer value and maximize drive profitability. So clearly, while we customers are looking for emotional connections, X, because it's their purpose, they are looking to improve shareholder value. And there's a serious divide between what customers want and what banks needs. And the solution forward. Is AI, artificial intelligence, where the banks can transcend digital banking into intelligent banking. The way that we describe that in our report and to, to, to come back to your point of saying we only see anecdotal examples. It is true. We do see anecdotal examples of AI, yet really in the back office. Why? Because what we are observing is, uh, at the present, at the current times, AI is more the cherry on the top rather than being at the core. We believe that AI should be at the core of the banking transformation. Why do we say cherry on the top? Because all banks build huge data platform, create their data lake, create their data warehouse. They put on top of it a data management tools. They start adding into it business. Agents, and then, then come with the AI. While we believe that with the same ingredient. if you put AI at the core, on top around AI, you bring the data management. Around the data management, you will bring the business intelligence. And finally, you bring the data platform, data lake and data warehouse. And that's the way you move from anecdotal to truly efficient.
2: do you what do you think about you know artificial intelligence across the reports for different industries when you think about insurance and when you think about payments and you talk about you know this idea of digital becoming intelligent and sort of driving those relationships when you put out these reports and you talk about emerging technologies how how do you think that's going to impact you know some of the other industries that you cover is it going to be that Every single interaction that we have will truly be that intelligent. Where do you think that's going to go, and how do you think it's going to impact your other type of clients as well?
1: So, so here, I like that. you are bringing different angles. First, the entire value chain, and second, if I were to put it, horizontally, the entire value chain and vertically the industry. We are clearly evolving to more an industry experience rather than a product. We've talked a lot in our report this year that it's time to move from a product selling to an experience buying. And I don't buy a mortgage. I buy a house. And a house is a sum of experiences relating to insurance, mortgage, location, uh, um, utilities, and so on. And each one of them needs to come into this value chain and bring some intelligence. So clearly for me, To answer your question, intelligence need to be across all industries and need to be deployed differently across each step of the value chain. Who am I? Why I am buying a house? Some information is that what I will provide to you, but some of the information is the one that expect you to find out about me. Alternative data sources, this is some intelligence. And then you will project me where I am into my financials, where am I into my family needs? Where I am in the education of um, am I more looking into buying new or old? Am I here for a tax exemption or do I have the right financials to have a long-term mortgage? All these are the elements that I am relying on you, my provider, and through intelligence for you to help me across it. And then once you know me, this is where you start offering me the right experiences, the right properties with the right budget situated at the right place next to the right schools, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get me into the mortgage, which I don't see it as a mortgage, but I see it as a mean to an end to my experience. And finally, once I am into the property, now you walk me through, well, you have a family of three children. This is the kind of internet you need. They are young, so you're not giving them a smartphone, but one of them is turning teenager. So you may want to give him a smartphone that has these characteristics. And then you will see that you do a lot of traveling. So maybe we'll give you the right insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So my experience of becoming a homeowner turns fantastic across several industries and you are my main provider. The challenge is you could be my bank or you could be Google. The question remains, who will you be to offer me this experience?
2: what i think is interesting about you know sort of the way this technology is being leveraged by banks versus neobanks uh, or challenger banks is that there's the the sort of user experience that's sort of embedded within this technology and that's the one place i think banks are still really falling behind some of the the newer challengers is that they're leveraging this data they're leveraging these tools but they're also sort of building out this this personalized experience within applications that look more like where we live right they they you know are entertaining they're they're advertising a brand on places that people are um you know just going to scroll through content uh, and they're engaging uh, with these technologies in a way that their content sort of resonates you know more with people that are sitting there on Instagram and TikTok and everywhere else um so so in your point of view the the future of artificial intelligence and other emerging technologies in financial services is going to continue uh, to impact the business model. When when you think about, you know, the next decade, how do you see these technologies um, really changing banks? Is it efficiency? Is it relationship? Like what else should we be thinking about?
1: In fact, one word that you, you described right now, banks don't do well is gamification. I am with my new challenger bank experience, I started trading without even realizing and I became much more addictive to that because they are doing it so friendly, so simply, so easy and so related to the profile I have while my bank only have a risk profile on me. So the new players has much less information about me than my bank with whom I've been with many years. And that's the opportunity uh, to get into a gamification mindset, leveraging the wealth that they have. And to to answer the question about where do I see AI uh, helping, I already see AI powering the transformation across several building blocks, operational excellence, customer experience, as well as risk management. For me, when it comes to cost optimization, it is the perfect way to improve productivity. I'll give you an example eliminating repetitive work, as simple as that. And you you replace that by an AI approach and you save time, you save also painful work for some people and uh, you gained a uh, cost optimization. Superior experience. In our report, we tried to put um, the Im- impact on AI on the NPS score. And clearly there is an immediate correlation between reducing friction thanks to AI, thanks to all the alternative data and increasing the NPS score. Also, it impacts the value creation by reducing customer churn. If I am happy, satisfied, and getting the right return from my provider, because the provider is using all the right information to help me, I will remain an engaged customer. And the uh, the last option is mitigating financials and operational risks. Clearly AI will help greater regulatory compliance and reduction in false positives. And this has an impact in terms of me being compliant, me minimizing the cost of being compliant and me leveraging the data for being compliant but also engaging with the customer.
2: Well, I just um, want to say that your reports have always been something that uh, I have read probably much uh, more than anything else in the past decade. Uh, They're very thorough. They're very thought provoking and they're full of examples of your bank clients. Uh, and insurance clients and other industry clients that are doing things with this technology and being very practical about the way that they look at the future, so uh, just wanted to thank you and the team for all of the work that we've done together over the past, you know, several years, and just uh, kudos on, you know, a very challenging past year as we move into to 2021 and think about, um, you know, the way that you're going to interact with your clients in the future. <laughs>
1: And, Brad, funny what you're saying, you've been reading it for a decade. Well, in fact, there is one report that none of us was born and was already alive, which is not really was born, but the World Wealth Report, celebrating next year its 25th anniversary, quarter of a century. And that's really a big moment. For the last 25 years, we've been tracking the wealth population, year after year, up to reach 19 million in 2020, and let's see the number in 2021, as well as the global wealth, 74 trillion in our last report. And this number, so get me because next year, we are planning a big bang effect, a whole year information of 25 years of data around wealth, who, where, asset allocation, geography evolution, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And it it makes me feel so good whenever I meet with the CEO of a wealth management management bank who tells me, I've been expecting your wealth report and I've been tracking my people if by end of June I don't have it on my desk, where is it? And really it makes you feel very happy about that. First because the data is relevant. Second because there is a true team working and dedicating significant time to get this information. And last, because there is outcome of it, concrete elements that could be useful for everybody.
0: Yeah, I, I echo what Brett said, um, is we all do look forward to your reports whenever they come out. Um, I I cannot even imagine how much work it takes for you and your team to put these all together, especially, you know, uh, what challenging times we've been and everyone working remotely. But whatever magic it is, seems like you guys have been able to pull it off. So kudos to that, and we do look forward to the next one, 25 years of data. Before we wrap up, um, Elias, what is the best way for everyone to be able to find your reports and the wealth of information? Mm So before we wrap up, Elias, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you and your team and to be able to look for all of these wonderful information that you have been able to put together?
1: you, what easier than worldreport.capgemini.com? I can't make it easier than that. I was
0: going to say kudos to you guys on that one as well. Um, So thank you so much, Elias, for joining us today for another episode of One Vision. And we will talk to you all next week.